0: Well, amen. Well, shoot that thing. You know, those are the most spiritual words you can say sometimes, is just shoot that thing. And we have had shoot that thing worship today. And I'll just go ahead and tell you right now, we have a shoot that thing Savior. And matter of fact, we got to shoot that thing God. And we got to shoot that thing Holy Spirit that lives within us. So we got a lot to shoot that thing for. Amen? Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? It really, it's good. i am tell you what, God's good. Mary Powell said, now you need to get ready for this song. I said, what song? She said, that song. I said, what song? She said, the song about the blood. You're going to stand up. I said, you don't know if I'm going to stand up or not. Well, I did. She, she was right and I was wrong. She was right and I was wrong. Amen. We're just really glad you're here. Hey, we are finishing up today the Peter Principle. We've been with Peter now, um, wow, like six or seven weeks. Just looking at his life, learning from him. The, the subtitle was Finding him, finding me, and by that I meant we we find Jesus, and of course we find ourselves, but also we found Peter and we find ourselves because he's so much like us. And we've journeyed with him through several key points in his life, and today we want to finish it up. And, And it kind of climaxes with that wonderful idea that we needed a rescuer, and God sent a rescuer. And we needed a redeemer, and God sent a redeemer. And we needed a restorer, and God sent a restorer. You know, today, I want you to imagine with me that it's 1971. Go back there if you were alive. Now, if you weren't alive, that would be very difficult. And I would say, by the way, you missed a great time to be alive if you weren't alive in 1971. In 1971, they came out with an incredible car, the 1971 Dodge Charger. If you'll throw that but that starts the slideshow right there. That's an original photograph, 1971 Dodge Charger. I was a junior in high school, and I would have died. ...to have a car like that. Instead, I had a 1962 uh, Rambler... painted, ...painted with a paintbrush with no floorboards. I mean, it was fine. Had a rod knocking in the engine... And I tell you what, but it, I was the only kid in the youth group with a car, so I was Mr. Cool in spite of everything, all right? But anyway, 1971 Dodge Charger, get that next, throw up there, Beth, the next picture, a little bit different picture of one, there you go, 1971 Dodge Charger, you could buy a Charger back in those days for about $2,700, all the way top end, about $3,700, except for the RT Hemi, of which they only made 1000 and the engine alone cost you $1,000, mind the car itself, base price, was only $2,700. So you can imagine how incredible that was. So you have this incredible car. It's 1971. You go down to the showroom, and they have done an incredible thing. They've taken some rubber, they've taken some metal, they've taken some water, they've taken some glass, and put it all together, and ta-da, they come up with this incredible machine. That's what you know. car manufacturers do. And then something happens. You're driving down the road one day, and next slide, Beth. Uh-oh. Yeah. Now let me say this. I need to... I know somebody's out there going... That's not a charger. I know. It's a GOAT. Okay, it's a GTL. I could not find a, a good picture of a wreck charger. I guess it's just too sentimental. I wouldn't do that. But anyway, so, so we have a wreck, and in this case, a bad wreck, and we total the thing out. Too bad. And then if that doesn't happen, next slide, Beth, then we end up with something like this. We have a car that ends up in the junkyard. Um, Circumstances and rust and corrosion and neglect occur. And so, if you don't end up with your car totaled out, eventually it ends up with all this neglect going on, and you end up with a vehicle like that. And you know, that is just so much like our lives, isn't it really? Isn't it really? God makes us you new. Know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians five seventeen, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's incredible when we're born again. In fact, that's what Jesus said to Nicodemus. He looked at Nicodemus, this really religious guy, and said, Man, you don't need more religion. You need to be born again and be made new. And so that's what God does for us. But even after that happens, things happen. Even after we're saved, we're born again, we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're rescued, things still happen. Sometimes we total it out. Sometimes our life is just a total wreck disaster. Sometimes we throw our marriages away, we throw relationships away, we throw our character away, uh, we throw you know, our futures away, we get into financial bondage, and we just have a total wreck on our hands. And sometimes it's just neglect. Marriages are neglected Uh, relationships between parents and students are neglected. We neglect our our performance on our job. Our life is neglected. And spiritually, we neglect our lives. And we end up in a place like this, in a junkyard. Just like it happens to cars, it happens to us. And then there are people like my friend Rod rod is rod and his team i should say he has a team of incredibly talented men and they take these old junk cars and turn them into masterpieces this is the the rear end of a 1971 uh, charger that he found it was rusty as beat up just go ahead and kind of go through these next few beth um he finds these old junk cars and there's there's the front end of it you know keep going there beth I mean, it's just, look at that, just a disaster. And one time, this car was a masterpiece, but through neglect and through time, it just got worse and worse. And then they started doing their magic. They started restoring. And by that, I mean they took the rust off and repainted. They actually replaced replaced the floorboards, the panels, you know, rebuilt basically some parts of the car. And then you start seeing a glimmer of the hope that what used to be can be again. What used to be can be Again. Boy, then you're starting to really see it. The car's painted. They got the nice wheels on there. The engine's in there. You're starting to see the paint job. And then finally, the interior. And then finally, you end up with this. That. Same car. Same car. Isn't it wonderful how Rod and a team can take a piece of metal that was in the junkyard, rusting, devastated by time, and turn it into a masterpiece? That masterpiece, by the way, is sitting. That's good, Beth. That masterpiece is sitting outside. I want you to be sure to notice that when you go outside, look to your right. You're going to see that very vehicle that was just junked out. And the, in the talented hands of the masters, it turned into a masterpiece again. And guess what? That's what God can do for us. We're born again. We're saved. But, but accidents happen. Accidents come into our lives. Neglect comes into our lives. And our lives are the rusting heap. But by the amazing grace of God, he makes us new even again. New even again. It happened to Peter. Peter had the opportunity to walk with Jesus for those three incredible years. And yet he comes to this train wreck. You know, and we left Peter the week before Easter. We left Peter, he's standing in the courtyard. He's he, you know, he's already said, I'm not gonna deny you, Jesus. Everybody else will, but I won't. And he he gets into this this courtyard and he's he's standing there and this little 14-year-old girl walks up and says, Hey, weren't you with Jesus? Weren't you a Jesus follower? No, he says, I am not a Jesus follower. I don't know what you're talking about. And then another person comes out and they think it was probably still a younger woman. She walks up, this woman walks up and says, you know, I just know that you were with Jesus. And the Bible says that he said a curse. And in and, and, and those terminology, in those days, that meant he said something like this. May lightning strike me dead if I'm lying. He says something like that, you know. No, I don't know him. And he kind of wanders away and a group of people come up and say, you know what, you sound like a Galilean. Certainly you are one who follows him. And the Bible says, he not only cursed, but he said an oath. May God strike me dead if I am telling a lie. May God send lightning to kill me if I'm telling a lie. And the Bible says, in in Luke chapter 22, it says, And the Lord turned, at that point, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, i got a pause here. We have done such a terrible injustice. The reason so many Christians have so many issues is that we have not represented God well. I personally have said this before in my younger years of preaching, before I really started understanding all about God's grace. I would say things like, What do you think Jesus' eyes said? How could you, Peter? Why did you, Peter? How could you deny me, Jesus? That is not what Jesus' eyes are saying, I promise you. His eyes are saying, Peter, I love you. And his eyes were filled with compassion. His eyes were were filled not with disdain, but love. And when Peter locks eyes with Jesus, the Bible says he remembers. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And the Bible says, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. His life was totaled out. He, in his opinion, was a total, complete failure. Just like the GTO you saw that wrapped around a pole as life as a car was over, so Peter's life as a disciple is done. Peter's life as, as a Christ follower is done. It's over. Later that day, perhaps from a distance, perhaps he heard the news. We know he didn't go to the crucifixion. Every indication he didn't. But Jesus is hung on a cross. Something like that one. They took Roman nails and put them through his wrist and through his feet. And he dies. He dies. He cries out, it is finished. And he gives up. His spirit. And he dies. Joseph, Arimathea, and Nicodemus, the guy I mentioned earlier, come and take him down off the cross. And they beg and ask Pilate for the body of Jesus, and Pilate gives it to them. Good thing, too, because, again, if it hadn't have been for that, Jesus' body would have been thrown into a heap of other dead bodies. Wild dogs would come and eat the flesh, and the resurrection could never have been proved. It's just what happened. But thankfully, Joseph, Arimathea, and Nicodemus saves the body of Jesus. And they take it and put it in the tomb... Of Joseph of Arimathea. And interestingly enough, they take like 60 pounds of ointment and and spice. That's how they embalm the bodies. And they embalm the body with all these spices. Point is this no one, how many? No one expected Jesus to rise. It was over, it was done. That was Friday, that was Saturday. And then Sunday came. So women came to the tomb. And they brought spices also. You want to know why? Two reasons. One, they didn't expect Jesus to get up. And two, men never do a good job. (laughs) So they're going to finish what what the guys did. But the point is, no one expected Jesus to resurrect. And they get to the tomb. And in Mark chapter 16, verse number 6, it says this. And he said to them, an angel speaking, Do not be alarmed. You see, Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. And that was obvious. He was dead. He wasn't in a swoon. He didn't pass out. He wasn't in a coma. He was D-E-A-D, dead. And they put him in the tomb. He He was crucified, but he is risen. That was Friday. This is Sunday. He's alive today. And then he says this. Come and see the place. He's not here. Come see the place where they laid him. Come on inside. I want to show you where the, the gray clothes are. I want to show you the facial napkin that's folded neatly there. I want you to see where he was as proof that he was dead, but he's not dead now. The ladies were in awe. But then the angel says something that ties it all together for us. There's a reason I shared this part of the story with you. Then the angel says this, verse 7, from Mark chapter 16. Again, I'm just reading this. You don't need to go there. But go. Tell his disciples, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter. Go tell his disciples and Peter. This is so incredibly amazing. First off, he's not saying that Peter's not a disciple. Peter thinks he's not a disciple. You know, Peter's got in his head, like a lot of us, Peter's got in his head, people who deny Jesus aren't Jesus' followers. It's game over. He failed and he failed miserably. He totaled it out. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, there's a guy. And his name is Peter and he needs a special message. In the state where he is at, he needs something special. Special. So go and tell James and John and Thomas and all those guys. Go tell them. But I gotta especially want to tell you that you need to tell Peter. Go find Peter and tell him that, that he is going, Jesus is going before you unto Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. You go tell Peter. Go tell the guys. But you go tell Peter it's not over. It's not over for me. I'm not dead. But you go tell Peter it's not over for him either. Isn't that incredible? There are people sitting today in this room. There are people that are hearing my voice right now on the radio and, they, and are throughout our community who are Christ followers. But somewhere in their life through neglect or somewhere through a total train wreck that they made of their lives... God has a message for you today. And the fact is, your Redeemer lives. And the fact is, it's not over for Him. And it's not over for you. We serve an amazing Savior who can take broken wrecks and make them over again. I'm telling you, this is such wonderful news. He takes wrecks and makes them all new again. And that's where we pick up our story. In John chapter 21... I love this scripture. And by the way, you're going to need to come back tonight. And we have a brand new children's program. And Dave, you be, be sure to announce this at the end of the service again. But we have a brand new children's program starting tonight. And while they're up there having the time of their lives, when they're having the time of their lives, you can be down here in part number two of this message today. But in John chapter 21, starting in verse 1, we hear the story of not the rescue, not the redemption, but the restoration of Peter. Here's how it goes. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias and revealed himself in this way. The first thing that that John does, he gives us a list of seven disciples. This list goes like this. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others. What an unusual group of men. Seven out of the eleven. We have Simon Peter, well, we know his story, he scattered like the rest of them, but as we heard, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But then he didn't scatter. He went to the courtyard and ended up denying Jesus three times. He sees himself as a total wreck. It's over. Then we've got Thomas. Anyone know what Thomas is famous for? Yeah, Doubting Thomas. Unless I took my finger in his hand and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A lot of us like that, huh? Yeah. And then there's Nathaniel. Nathanael was the guy who said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? When he was going to meet Jesus. he said, We found the Messiah. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And he goes, Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. It's a bad part of town. It's Nowhereville. The sons of thunder, who were called the sons of thunder because they had an anger problem. They weren't perfect either. And then two others. That would be me and you. That would be me and that would be you. Because this is a story of restoration. And all of us, me and you included, need restoration. So it goes like this. In verse number 3, Simon Peter, who was a fisherman before Jesus called him, Simon Peter said to them, I... I am going fishing. Now, if you saw the movie last week, you kind of get the idea um, that probably this was a. They, they had gone to Galilee because that's where they were told to go. So the guys are kind of hanging around Galilee there. And, and, and you know, in the movie, I think it was Simon Peter who said, Hey, let's go fishing. And that may well be. It could be that, that this is a gathering of friends and they want to do what friends do. And Peter just said, Hey, let's go fishing. Probably not. Because this is a guy whose life is a wreck, and this is a guy who feels like he failed totally. May not be a lot of friendly fishing going on in Peter's mind. And then uh, it may have been family. You know, he had hung with Jesus, and he, Jesus had an amazing ability of making bread and fish go a long way. So he has to provide for his family. I mean, Jesus is not there. So maybe he says, you know what, I ought to make a living here nothing's happening let's go and go fishing and maybe he was trying to provide for his family or maybe he was just eat up with failure maybe he was just eat up with failure and you know what you do when you fail don't you you go back to a point in your past where you were successful at something and you don't know you don't know how many people this happens to Every one of us can, right now, a name will pop in your head and you go, you know, so-and-so used to be here all the time. They used to go to church all the time. They used to serve God all the time. And I haven't seen them in months and years. What? Happen. So often, and here's the deal, we, we struggle with this Christian life. We try so hard to live the Christian life, which we never can successfully do. Only Christ can do it through us. But we don't get that. And so we try and we try and we try or we fail outside of church. Again, you know, a conversation at the water cooler turns into a bedroom affair. Uh, again, our character's flawed. Something happens and we no longer feel we can do the Christian thing. So we stop the Christian stuff. The praying, the reading the Bible, the fellowship at church. And we go somewhere back to where things were a little more successful in our mind. We go back to what we used to do. Ring a bell with anybody? I bet there's people in this room right now and say, yeah, I tried that. It didn't work well. So Peter says... And surely the, the white elephant in the group is, is failure. He may have been thinking about friends, he may have been thinking about providing for his family, but I promise you the white elephant in this conversation is, "I have failed. The Christian thing's not working anymore. I don't. Des- I don't deserve for it to work. I'm not worthy for it to work." So he says, "I'll go back to something that I used to do. I'll go. Fishing. Even in your weak condition, if that's you today, I need to tell you something to beware of. Because look what happens. They said, they being the other six, they said to him, We will go with you. So, 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 understand this. If you've done this Jesus thing and either, you know, People have cast enough stones at you that you feel like a failure. You feel, I'm not going to do this anymore. I feel better at home than I do at church. Um, You know, it seems like every time I come, Dwayne, you preach exactly. You're preaching at me. My wife is telling you what's going on in my life. I know she is. You know, every time, every week, I'm just more comfortable at home than I am here. If you're a Jesus follower, let me encourage you in something. Understand that your decision to walk away will not just impact you. If you're a daddy and you've got kids, it won't be long before somewhere the question's gonna pop up, Dad, why don't you go to church with us anymore? Dad, why do I have to go to church and you don't? Friends that used to say, I don't understand, dude, you're like into God of your eyeballs. And now you don't go to church. And your influence will impact other people. So before you choose to walk away, understand this. You're going to take somebody down with you. I'm just telling you, there's a bigger price to pay than you think that there is to pay. Just be aware of that. Just be aware of that. So they say, well, we'll just go fishing with you. And then in verse number 3 it says, So they went out and got into the boat. And it's kind of cool. In the Greek, that implies it's a definitive article. And it implies that it's Peter's boat. So Peter's boat was parked there from days gone by. And they get in Peter's boat. And the Bible says, But that night they caught nothing. Deja vu. Three years ago... When Jesus used Peter's boat, perhaps his same boat, and said, hey, Peter, thanks for letting me use your boat. Cast your your boat out and you'll catch fish. Jesus, we fished all night. We didn't catch anything. How ironic that they fish all night again and they don't catch anything. Deja vu. Can I tell you something? If you're there... If you're listening to the radio today and you're there and there's something going on in your life and you decided you can't do the God thing anymore that it's hard, it's more difficult, you're happier away than you are at home, if if that's you today, can I just tell you something? When you get to wherever you want to go, you're going to find empty nets. Nothing will ever take the place of Jesus. You'll be able to stone your brain to where you don't realize that. You may fool yourself into thinking that you're happy when you're not. But nothing, if you truly know Jesus, if you're a Christ follower, nothing can replace Jesus. When you get wherever you're going, you're going to find empty nets. Well, about that time in verse number 4 of John 21... As the day was breaking, now keep in mind, keep in mind that Jesus' message has said, now listen, go to Galilee and I'll meet you there. Now, if someone says, hey, I'm going to go to Starbucks, I'll meet you at Starbucks. When you get to Starbucks, what do you do? You look for the person. You know, when Judy says, I'll meet you at the cash register, you know, in 10 minutes, I'm looking for Judy to show up. We look for whoever we said, who they said is going to show up. They're not looking. The guys in the boat can't see the guy on the shore. It may be darkness, it may be mist, it may be fog, it may be fatigue. They're not looking, and they can't see the guy on the shore. The guy who said I'll meet you in Galilee, they're not even looking for. They're busy. Fishing. So just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore and yet disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Can I just throw something out to you? Learn to look for Jesus everywhere. Learn to look for God everywhere. Learn to listen for the prompting of the Holy Spirit everywhere. Now I know, I know, if if you're you're at that point where it's easier to stay away and life is better without God, I understand that's not anything you want to hear, nor do you understand. But if you're here today and you're halfway in tune with God, look for God everywhere. Look for Jesus everywhere. Listen for the prompting of the Holy Spirit everywhere. Keep your ears tuned in, your eyes tuned in, looking for God's stuff, because it is everywhere. It's everywhere. Trust me. It's everywhere. So, so his disciples didn't recognize it was Jesus, and so Jesus speaks. Interestingly enough, Jesus himself said, My sheep know my voice. So Jesus said to them, Children, and that's an interesting term. I almost use a different translation, because one translation used the word fellows. But it's a pretty good term, because it carries the idea of parental authority. It carries the idea of one in authority speaking to, to those under him. Children do you have any fish? And they answered, no. It wasn't that they didn't try. It wasn't that they weren't persistent. It wasn't that they were untrained. It's just that they got there and what they thought would be successful was not because they went back to what they used to do instead of doing what they should do. Does that make sense? No. here's the big deja vu of the moment. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Wow. Hey, cast your net. You know, it's so funny. Have you caught anything today? Don't you ask fishermen all the time? No, well, you might want to try this. You might try this lure. You might try a white popper. You might try a silver jig. You know, different things. Try on the other side and you'll catch some. And they couldn't even lift the net. Isn't that amazing? Watch this. Success was a boat whips away when Jesus showed up. Success was three feet away when Jesus shows up. Keep Jesus in your life and you'll be amazed how success shows up. I'm not talking about financial success. I'm talking about success in the Christian walk. I'm talking about success in life. I'm talking about success in marriage. I'm talking about success in parenting. They can haul the net in. So John, that disciple whom Jesus loved, John therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now this is so cool. Because, I mean, like a light comes on. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. In other words, when he heard it was Jesus, all the pent-up hunger. Have you ever had a moment when you had a little fuss with your wife, and y'all have not spoken for a couple of days, and it seemed like a couple of centuries? And all of a sudden, a crack shows up, And you start sobbing and she starts sobbing and you just run and there's this embrace that's incredible. All that emotion that had been up for two days explodes. Welcome to Peter's life. When he realized it was Jesus, he was passionate. He couldn't believe it wasn't over. Jesus was there. And somehow Jesus would make it right. So he throws himself into the ocean. He can't wait. And the Bible says, number eight, the, the, the other disciples came to the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. Now, isn't this amazing? What did, what did Peter say at the beginning of this whole story? I'm going fishing. Because fishing at that moment seemed really, really important. Jesus shows up. He's got a boatload of fish, and he forgets them. When Jesus shows up and we understand the wonder and the mystery and the power of our relationship with him, other stuff fades away. Even 71 Chargers don't become important. Mustangs don't become important. When we come into the presence of Jesus, Jesus shows up. Other things that we thought important were not so important. So, so he leaves the fish there, they're about a hundred yards off from shore, it says. And so the other disciples, uh, the other six, had to drag the boat and the fish to shore. Now, this is so interesting coming up. Verse 9. Now, they got out, when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Now, keep in mind that one had denied, but the other six had scattered. Now, now we, showed, we showed that that was in the divine plan. That was in the divine plan. You know, we learned that from, from Scripture two or three weeks ago. But still there's that personal guilt, a sense of personal failure. So this whole setup is not just for Peter, but it's Peter's moment. It's when Peter is going to be restored so he can become the spokesman for Jesus that he needs to be. So Jesus sets it up. They get on the shore and there's this warm fire cooking, and on the fire, now did, you, did you catch that? On the fire already is fish and bread, fish and bread. I told somebody the other day. I think I said in the funeral. Hey, if you don't get me fired up, just invite me over for dinner. You know, died or not, I'm ready to eat. Let's go. Woohoo! Shoot that thing. Well, when they saw this, it was they instantly thought fellowship. They instantly thought it's okay. Jesus is here, and now is it okay, we're in relationship and fellowship with Him. That was the whole intent. But then Jesus says something that makes like no sense. Here's what he says: "Bring some of the fish that you have caught. Bring some of the fish that you have caught." Have you ever wondered why? Is that? Why is that there? I mean, I don't think Jesus was underprepared. Oops, I was expecting three and got seven. Honey, two more guests just showed up. Put some more spaghetti in the pot. I don't think he was like caught off guard. So he's already got fish and bread cooking. Why does he say, bring some of the fish that you have just Because there's a lesson that he needs to let Peter discover. And there's a decision that Peter needs to make and nail down. It involves fish. See, fish was the way back. We learn just a little bit later on in verse 11 that these are large fish. And there's 153 of them. Now, don't try to make anything of that. You know, there's 153 different people groups in in that time. Uh, There are 153 known languages in the world. It represents all that. That's all speculation for sure. I think the bottom line is this. There were large fish, and there was a bunch of them. 153. Let me just tell you something. I wasn't there and I don't know the fish market, but I just got a stinking suspicion that 153 fish would provide living for a while. Peter has the financial opportunity again to go back. He needs to provide for his family. He's got the means. He wants to go back for a relaunch to his other life. He's got the means. He needed some cash flow. He's got it. So Jesus says, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Now, now watch verse number 11. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net where? Ashore. Ashore. How many fishermen do we have here? Any, anybody fish? Nobody fishes? Yeah, really. Okay, we need to have a fishing clinic. Okay, here's the deal. So you go bass fishing. You're going to be out all day. Mom packs you a good lunch. you got lots of gas in the tank. You're going bass fishing. Okay. And you go out and you start catching fish. What you do not do is take the bass and throw it in the floorboard of the boat. Nice hot June day. You know, it kind of wiggles and flops for a little while. And all of a sudden, a little bit less. (laughs) Game over. By the end of the day, what you have is... Stinking dead fish. No, no, no. No. They have live wells. And you take the fish and you put it in the live well. And the live well has water in it. It has oxygen in it. It keeps the fish alive until you can get back and prepare it with salt, whatever, to preserve the meat. So here's the deal. Dead fish don't sail. So when... When Jesus says, bring some of the fish that you have just caught, Peter goes and he has a choice. He can bring a couple and leave the fish in the water where they will survive and where the profitability will still be there. Or he can bring all of them ashore, but they die. And dead fish don't sail. Guess what Peter does really without any prompting of Jesus. Because you see, when Jesus shows up, what was important is not important anymore. Those fish were just not that important anymore. For the first time, he sees, wait a minute, there's a future with Jesus. And let me just tell you something. There's a future with Jesus. I don't care what you've done. God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. So he takes this 153 large fish and drags them up on shore out of the water. And they begin to die. And as they die, God slowly closes the door on Peter's return to his past. If you're wrestling with the God thing today and it's easier to stay away than come here... It's easier to do other things than God's stuff. And God's got a message for you today. He's speaking to your heart. We probably need to ask God, whatever it is that keeps pushing that door open to the past, you need to nail it shut. There's some things probably that need to go out of our lives. So often, we're hoarders spiritually. Rather than throw something away that leads to our past, we keep it. We may tuck it away in the closet somewhere, For a rainy day, it's time to clean the closets out. It's time to close the door to the past, and in closing the door to the past, what you're going to discover is you open the door to the future. You open the door to the future. So the fish come on shore, and then Jesus never comments. He just says, "This, come and have breakfast." Come have fellowship with me. We're family. Come have fellowship. And none of the disciples dared ask him. I felt this was kind of usual. You know, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. There's no doubt. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so the fish, and all these memories, it may have been Passover night. I know it was bread and wine, but that was probably going through their minds. The feeding of the 5,000 when he took the little bit of bread and a little bit of fish and broke it. All that's going through their minds. And they're just remembering how wonderful it is to be with Jesus. And you start wondering, if we start remembering how wonderful it is to be with Jesus, restoration occurs. Restoration occurs. There's a scripture that I want to close with today. Cuz if you're there and you've made your life a total wreck. I mean, you know, the nuclear bomb stuff. Or maybe it's just neglect. Your marriage is just about to fall away. Not because you've been unfaithful. You just not care. Your broken relationship with your children. You're too busy making money. To buy them the stuff that they don't need. You know. How you know how it is? Things get all out of proportion. Well, here's here's the scripture for restoration that we need to hear. It's written by Paul, who knew a lot about restoration. He goes, brothers. I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, he's saying, I have not arrived. I want you to know, I haven't got it perfect yet. But here's one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. You, y'all ever watch Shark Tank? And Mr. Wonderful goes, You're dead to me! You're dead to me! Forgetting those things which are behind. Hey, past, you're dead to me. Hey, lust, you're dead to me. Materialism, you're dead to me. You close that door and open the door to the future. For getting those things behind and pressing toward what is before. I love that. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You remember how it was when you and Jesus were like this. And no matter what the past holds, it can never replace Jesus. Remember that. Remember that. Would you bow your heads, please? Rod and his team does an incredible job of these vehicles. I really want you to make sure you go by and see, all you car guys especially, go by and look at it. Remember some of the pictures you saw? Rust. floorboards gone. And look now. You could crawl under that car and it's like new. That's what God does. First, He creates us in our salvation. But then after we somehow mess up our lives, He doesn't throw us away. He restores us. He restores us so if you're here today and one maybe you've never met jesus and you heard enough of this story to go wait a minute i've never heard of this story before i'll be standing down front and i'd love to share with you again that part of the easter story about jesus dying on a cross and not staying dead and he did that to redeem us because the bible said the wages of sin is death and jesus died for our sins there's nothing we can do to earn god's favor It has to be Him and Him alone. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But if you're here today and your radio is still on, and you're here today in this room, and over here is a car wrapped around a pole, and you say, Dwayne, that's my life. I've just messed it up so bad. I don't think there's any hope. There is. There is. There is. Or maybe through neglect you and your wife have drifted apart you and your children have drifted apart you and friends have drifted apart You say, Dwayne, there's no hope There is And that hope is Jesus Christ He came to rescue Mm -hmm. He came to redeem Mm -hmm. But He also came to restore Mm -hmm. No failure is beyond the grace of God No failure is beyond the grace of God. God, thank you. I want to thank you for letting me share these truths today. Thank you for letting us have a seat in the boat with the guides when they fished all night and caught nothing. That we got to see what happened when Jesus showed up. But then we also got to see Peter turning his back on the past and reaching forward to his Savior, Jesus. That's what some of us need to do today, Lord. We need to nail the door shut on the past and turn and walk through the door of our future with you. Holy Spirit, we know that only you cause regeneration and only you cause restoration. No preacher's words, no song. It has to be you. So Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you would do a mighty work in people's lives today. And Jesus, thank you so much. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen.